Welcome to the Pro Aging Podcast. I'm Steve Gurney, founder of the Positive Aging Community. We're excited that you can join us for our interactive discussions with pioneers and thought leaders on a wide variety of topics related to aging and longevity. We're able to bring these discussions to you along with copies of the Positive Aging Sourcebook, thanks to the support of our Positive Aging Community Champions. Visit ProAging.com to connect with them and find hundreds of other resources. Research indicates that older adults benefit from the increased companionship, support in completing daily tasks, and increases in well-being associated with home sharing. Today, we had an amazing discussion with Wing Pepper and Kyle Sobis, who are the co-founders of Perch Houses. We're going to learn about this innovative new concept that brings together women age 55 plus to co-live in affordable, spacious, and beautifully designed homes. So let's jump into the discussion with Wing and Kyle. Hey, uh, we are going to be diving into a new and innovative approach to home sharing. And uh, I'm thrilled to have uh, Wing and Kyle with us today who have launched this new innovative company called Perch Houses. And uh, while uh, we're going to dive in and learn as much as we can about their concept and uh, and what they've created, I recognize that this discussion could be more of an open-ended conversation on, you know, home sharing, solo aging, what have you. And so one important thing that for everybody to realize is that if you haven't attended one of these discussions, the best part about it is they're live and interactive. And so if you've got any questions, feel free to throw those into chat uh, or use that Q&A button at the bottom of your screen. Uh, if you would prefer to ask a question verbally, just raise your little virtual hand and I'll open up your camera and mic. And the good thing to know about these discussions is, is that you don't need to worry about your camera and mic suddenly popping on. Um, the only way that can happen is if you give me permission. So um, enough of that soapbox th there. Uh, Kyle and Wing, uh, really charged up to uh, have you here today. I'm a huge advocate of home sharing for a variety of reasons. And I was thrilled to learn about uh, your, your new uh, concept that is being launched in, in Northern Virginia, but hopefully will be uh, nationwide uh, before the blink of an eye, right? Um, the, uh, but let's, um, before we dive into what Perch Houses is, let's get to know the two of you a little bit better. Tell us a little bit about your backgrounds and what brought you together on this concept. Sure. Well, thanks, Steve, for hosting and thanks everyone for coming. Um, we're excited to talk about Perch Houses. You know, you've just mentioned something about going national. I will say our focus for some time, we hope, is on the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. Um, solving the problem locally is not a, as we all know, not a short-term thing. And so I think we do look to, to bigger, uh, to, to growth around the country, but I think we're, we're also set on spending some time here. Um, the, our background uh, uh, is uh, Kyle and I both worked at a venture capital firm here in uh, the district and between Baltimore and the district. And we were, we come from a healthcare background. And uh, my background is as an entrepreneur and a digital marketing uh, uh, executive and uh, 
about four years ago, I became the primary caregiver for my now 84-year-old mother and began to really look at the market of, of how people are aging, how people are aging at home, what are the, the, the good parts about that, what are the hard parts about that. And I also began to look at the different options people had in different economic strata. And uh, as I was looking at this, uh, I got together with Kyle and he and I uh, spent about eight months researching uh, the market. And we went to market for the first time in, in uh, late April, early May. And I'll, I'll let Kyle introduce himself. Thanks, Wayne. Hey, and thank, again, thanks, Steve, for, uh, for inviting us to join this forum and for all of your interest and enthusiasm for, for what we're doing. We, we do really appreciate that. Um, thank you also to everybody who joined. We're really looking forward to uh, to a back and forth discussion today. Um, like Wing said, I'm I'm Kyle Sobis. I'm a registered nurse by background, and uh, I've worked in in the field of population health for for some time. Uh, and prior to starting this business with Wing, uh, Wing mentioned his own caregiving experience. I I also have had uh, some personal experiences and been positively impacted by uh, different co living and house sharing experiences. Um, and from a number of different perspectives, uh, and so you know we're really we're really excited for uh, for perch houses for what we're building for doing this in the D.C. Maryland Virginia area, um, and you know just really looking forward to the discussion today. So I hope you all find it as yeah. uh, as, interesting know, uh, as we do. These guys know that I'm really enthusiastic about what they're doing, and so the uh, I I'm thrilled that it works, and I I look to this someday is something that is in every community because uh, as I'm sure you discovered when you started doing the research, you wouldn't have launched this it, it, as, as I've discovered is, is that there is just not enough uh, affordable housing out there. And right. then the other phenomena that we are, um, that I've really was a blind spot to me is the concept of solo aging and just how many people are out there that are not necessarily connected to family or loved ones, and um, and it and it could be that they've got a big family, but they're just not where they're li living right now. And so I was thrilled to sort of learn about this approach because I think it addresses two very important needs. Um, one of the one of the things that you get, you all shared with me was a video, and I'm I'm feeling like um the uh um uh let's play this video to kick this off because i think it's well done and it'll explain the business model that you all have created and then we can have a conversation from there so uh let me go back to sharing my screen and then i will hit play welcome to perch houses we believe an affordable place to live in a great location surrounded by nice people isn't too much to ask for. That's why we started Perch Houses. We're a new type of home sharing service that provides affordable co-living for women 55 plus in spacious residential houses right in the heart of our vibrant communities. We acquire beautiful homes in desirable neighborhoods and lease individual bedrooms to renters like you. Each house comes with a great kitchen, common area, storage, outdoor landscaping, and cleaning service, all included. 
The best part is you can get matched with other women like you or organize your own perch house. The choice is yours. All this for about 25% less than a standard one bedroom apartment. If you wanna live in a great house, lower your monthly rent, have the support of friends and be a part of a growing community, see what's possible at perchhouses.com. Um, so that was a little teaser for, for everybody out there. And the, uh, the, the, the cool thing, well, so why don't you all break it down a little bit for sure. us, kind of what the, what the model is designed to do and, and how it works. Yeah. Well, a couple of things, you know, up front, um, one of the questions you always get asked when you start a business is, well, why are you starting it? And there are there are some very strong signals out there in the marketplace that we need some new living options and housing options and health options. And one of the first is a statistic that really flies under the radar, which is that never more than, this is true everywhere in America, never more than 10% of people over 65 end up in any kind of assisted living facility, nursing facility, CCRC, any of that. So these options that are out there that we think of as being standard places where people go, they are great options. They tend to be more expensive and they're oddly not for everybody. Like the, the people that end up there tends to be a fairly, fairly small group when you look at the overall population. And the other thing is that the rising rents in the last 10, 15 years have been extreme especially in urban areas like where we all live. And uh, you put those two things together, coupled with a financial crisis, 2008, 2009, which has had a real lingering effect on society. And now we're in a place where the next 10, 20, 30 years for all of us look different, you know? And as we looked at that, we were like, okay, how do you find a way so that people can stay where they want to stay? They don't have to move away. They don't have to move to some different place. They can stay where close to their family, close to their friends, as you mentioned. But how can you also live in a great house? And how can you also not be isolated? And that we looked at, at all three of those vectors to, to start the conversation. And that's where we came up with this this phrase we use, we use it internally, but it, we call ourselves a healthcare company on a real estate platform um, because we think that having an affordable place to live and having a strong intentional set of community bonds, not just with friends in a house, but also in the community, those are the foundations of health. And that was the real motivation behind us doing this. And so we fit in an area where we hope that people of a certain income level can benefit from this, um, the forgotten middle, exactly. Um, and, and that was our motivation for starting it. Yeah, no, I dropped that in because as you were talking, it was basically, I wanna, if folks, if you're not familiar with the concept of the forgotten middle, it's sort of, if you look at three different segments, you've got people that qualify for subsidies, and Medicaid and things of that nature. And then you've got, whether it be self-identified or identified by your region, the wealthy. But what you've got in the middle is this forgotten middle. And, you know, what's heartbreaking to me, Wing, is, yeah, there is a small percentage of people that are moving 
to see traditional senior living, but there's a large group of people that would actually like to move into some of these settings that financially they can't afford it. And the, the only solution that I can really come up with is something like what you all are doing is home sharing, whether that be opening your home to your loved ones, your sisters, your neighbors, a stranger, and uh, nobody that I've run across is sort of taking the management approach like you all are, which is very intriguing and gets me pretty charged up. Um, okay, I knew we were going to already get a bunch of questions, okay, which I think is going to be good in terms of driving this conversation. But, uh, but um, uh, somebody is asking, what is the referral process? How do you assess potential residents for healthy cognitive needs, or will you only consider healthy adults? Yep, great question. So our the group that we're focused on primarily is roughly about 55 to roughly about 75. So we're not dealing with advanced health issues in general, although we are, we're all aware that at any moment anything can happen. Whoops. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, you, 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 um, your mic blacked out for a, a moment. Oh, sorry. Well, so two ways we're addressing the, the question. The first is, uh, how do we bring people together? How do we match people? And and the answer to that is we have, uh, if you on our website, we have what's called a personality quiz. And we actually ask fairly detailed questions to help people to try to take about 80% of the challenge of people living together. So we try to match people who are of like mind so that they have a positive uh, living experience. Um, the second part of your question is trickier and, and really important, which is, you know, what happens if somebody gets sick? Um, I see the question there, you know, does the contract stipulate when a resident suddenly gets sick? And to be honest with you, we're, we're learning the impact of that. We don't have a set policy. If you get sick, you have to leave. What we try to do is understand how to take care of you, find out what you need, and also understand the dynamics of care in, in a co-living environment, right? So that's also important as well, because you have to, if a caregiver has, excuse me, if a caregiver has to come live in the house, you have other people living in the house. One of the things we talk a lot about is if it gets to a point where someone's able to care for themselves, or if they're dementia worries or things like that, um, is taking an active role in the transition to a different environment that's more healthy and more safe for them and more with more oversight. And uh, so th that's really the way we do it. On the way in, we try to match people. And if there's a reason for people to move out for some kind of health reason, we try to facilitate the transition. I love it. And uh, Ernestine asks, is this kind of like moving together like the Golden Girls? And uh, um, yeah, I'd say yes and no, uh, Ernestine. I, I think people talk about the Golden Girls a lot. I haven't watched the uh, the show uh, in a long time, but weren't they all sisters or they were all, re re I believe they were all related. They weren't. Um... So, so it, it's, it brings up an interesting point because um, no, in our, in our houses, typically people are not all going to be related, but Wing mentioned and the, and the video mentioned that you can either come to us and we will work to match you with people that we think are going to be most compatible with you. Uh, that you're going to you know really enjoy living with and hopefully develop that kind of bond with or you can come to us and say hey we've got a group of people that have been talking about doing this for a long time and and now we sort of have a way to to do this together 
um, and we'll we'll help you find the place. Yeah. And then I, I think there might even be another option. We, I, I see Retta has a question. She says, I own a house. I'm female. How can I put my house in the program or qualify for it? And um, uh, Retta, I would reach out to the, these folks. But but also, you know, there are with everything there are and, and traditionally the thing that's intrigued me about what what Perch Houses is doing is is that there are folks that are out there that are home sharing and they're just yeah. doing it on their own. It's sort of like their friend, their sister, they come together and they figure it all out on their own. And then there are some websites out there. We've featured um, a couple of them over the years that can maybe facilitate connecting you with somebody. And, um, and then there's some nonprofits out there because county governments are realizing that this is a problem is people can't afford to live in these expensive counties. And so there are county run home sharing programs that are designed to create affordable housing without having to build another building. But what intrigues me about uh, Hirsch Houses is the way that you all are approaching it, where it's sort of a concierge almost, is, is that if I like this house, if I like the, the the roommates, boom, I can move in and I'm, as somebody had said, I like the housekeeping and the, the, the landscaping. Right. I think those are amazing features that you're offering. Yeah, it's, um, I, I think that I'm looking at all the questions and I will answer some of them generally here and then I want to get into some of the specifics, but there is no one way to do this is my first answer to everybody. You know, there is multi-generational living. There's sharing your house with another person. There's doing what we're doing, which is co-living. All of these solutions don't even put a dent in the problem, including ours. And so all of the approaches to finding an affordable place to live where people are not lonely and isolated and then have their lives made easier through services and things like that, there are multiple ways to address that. Our approach is to use existing inventory, so houses that are already in the marketplace. And what we've heard from Arlington County and Fairfax County, who we've spent a lot of time with, less time with Loudoun County, but, but that will come, is that they are very appreciative that we're not doing new building, that we're using existing inventory, that we're integrating people 55 plus or keeping them integrated into the communities, and that we're also offering services to help keep people engaged. And engaged can be anything from, and this is something we want to talk about at the end, is to ask the help of everyone on this call, because we're looking to integrate with services into our business. So you put all those things together, one of the things we're most intrigued by is offering job referrals and keeping people, well, I'm 63, so I am in this group, and I look forward to working for a long time. And I think that's, you know, the people that we're seeing as our target, we're not retiring um, you know, we have a lot, a lot more to do. So that keeping people active that way is, is very, very important. One of the questions that keeps popping up is about men. Um, the answer is yes, we've thought about this a lot. And, and one of the things when you start a new business is you have to focus, you have to pick a place to start. And we looked at men quite a bit. Um, and as you might've gathered, we are men. <laughs> so so we we get this and um what we've realized was that women are much more predisposed to co-living and to building community men 
behave differently. It's not that this wouldn't work for men, but we felt there was a broader value proposition for women that we wanted to prove first. And if we get down the road and it looks like this will work for men, it's very easy to open that up, but we had to start with women. The other, yeah. the other statistic that was kind of startling in that regard was that women are almost, I think it's about twice as likely to live alone at, at this age than men. Uh, men at this age are still typically partnered or or living with somebody else, uh, but about fifty percent of women age sixty five plus are are living by themselves. And and I will tell you that we've had some amazing solo aging discussions um, on this platform, and we even uh, did some little kind of workshop things on uh, on solo aging and building your personal village. And, you know, 90% of the people that were there were women. And uh, to the point where there was, I, we, I did this one thing, there was a man, he was like, can we talk about the needs of, of, of men who are solo aging? Just ironically, yep. this month, I'm going to be giving a talk on that topic because, um, uh, but I, one thing that I've appreciated in getting to know the two of you is the focus and the fact that, hey, look, you can serve everybody, but if you really focus in and dial this concept in, then it's easy to expand to uh, co-ed houses or male-only houses or or what have you. But uh, I, I love your approach. And I, I love the approach of starting geographically with Northern Virginia and the DMV, get this dialed in and then replicate it to other areas. Um, yeah. Well, and a key part of that is is the homes. And I see there are a couple of questions about how does the home part work, the investing and purchasing and things like that. So uh, we one of our keys is that we do not own real estate. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, it's expensive to start. Uh, and so we, by doing a leasing and a subletting model or a property management model, we can learn at much greater scale, much quicker at lower cost. Uh, it's not to say that down the road, we don't want to own properties, but right now we don't feel the need. But to the point of, uh, and yes, we have investors and we can talk about that, but homes for us are very intriguing. So if anyone out there has a home, ideally with a uh, four to 3.5 bathroom ratio, to be specific, um, four bedrooms and three bathrooms don't work as well. But if you have four to 3.5 or more bed to bath, uh, we would love to talk to you about your house because um, we can generate more income for you. If you lease your house for a certain amount of money, we can probably lease it for more money than you're getting on a regular lease. And yeah, I think from a, a, a real estate and, and you're handling the management of their property now as well. And anybody who's been a landlord recognizes that that's, you know, sometimes it's a uh, depending on your property, but to be able to turn it over and to have, you know, some women 55 plus you're contributing to the, uh, the fabric of the neighborhood and our, our, and, and doing something really good do, yep. for the community. Well, yeah. One of the other question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kyle. No, I just, I just noted in the chat, uh, Gail said bedrooms each with a bathroom, and that's exactly right. So each of our, just to be real specific and concrete about our, our model here, uh, we would take a four bedroom, say four and a half bathroom home, um, and then each bedroom would be paired with a bathroom as one co-living unit uh, with ideally, you know, an extra half bath for, for guests. 
Um, and that, and then each each of the four folks living in that house would share all the the common areas of the house. Right, and since that is, and th that's exactly what we're looking for, and that rarely exists, which right. is reality of our world today. So one of the interesting things about this is when you get into this concept of co-living, you realize that most of the houses today are not designed for this. And one of the most, if anybody wants to go down an interesting rat hole, the future of home design is fascinating because there are a couple of key components that are coming together as homes are looking to evolve in the coming 20 years. One is this thing called universal design, which is a home that's designed for all types of access from regular access to handicapped access to elder access with grab bars. And it's a standardized design process. Um, the other thing is how the homes themselves are designed with more independent spaces. So the traditional thing of a beautiful primary bedroom with a big bathroom and three really tiny rooms for the kids and one bathroom that they share, which is many houses today, that's actually evolving quite a bit because people are living differently. Families are living together. People are living longer. People are living, and, and this is the, the, the space that we're coming into. But in the real world of starting a business, we have to work with what we have. And so to Kyle's point, if there's a house with four bedrooms, and three bathrooms, we would consider adding a bathroom. Sure. We would actually do work on the house to get it to the spec that we need. And we help contribute funds to do that. So we help transition properties to make them work better for what we want to do. One of the questions that I, I also want to answer, which was back a little bit that Renee asked, uh, but it's a it's a really important one, is about the operating of the house. Like, like how does the house work with, with, after we do this? And I want to make, this is really important point. We are not managing what happens in the house. We take care of the house. We're there to provide services and kind of provide white glove treatment for, for anything that people need. But these are independent people like all of us living together. And they uh, cook the way they want to cook. They socialize the way they want to socialize. Um, it's, your, it's your house. Your house, exactly. And so the way we create that environment is through something very specific called a community plan. And what we do is when we rent the house, we have a document. It's, it's like five pages long. And we sit down with every resident together and we say, okay, here's your template. And we've covered a lot of things here, but this is really up to you to shape and to make it work for you and your house and your sensibilities and your values. And so we'll give you the, 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 uh, the information to start, but we ask people to read it, create it, and then sign it. And that's like your go forward rules of conduct for the house. And it covers everything that you could think of that's very practical from people sleeping over to visitors to noise to very pretty nuts and bolts stuff. But that our, our approach here is to, as Kyle said, it's your house, but we're going to give you some help creating rules so that co-living works. Man, well, and and I want to give a plug for if if this sort of idea of co-living is of interest to folks, next month on October 13th, we're going to be talking about a concept called co-housing. And, um, and that is very intentional, you know, uh, families and individuals coming together. And I've loved some of the discussions that I've had in the co-housing space it's very much in alignment with what you all are talking about. Every mm -hmm. neighborhood, every house, every family is different. And but if you're helping 
these this new environment with some structure, it makes it a lot easier to, to negotiate problems and and solve problems and things that uh, that and 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 live together. And um, I imagine as you open more of these homes, you're going to begin to develop best practices as they've had in the, this co-housing uh, space as well over the years. Um, what, I, what, I, what I'd add to that too, though, is that this community plan is, is one, um, one aspect of our uh, compatibility matching process, right? That essentially starts with the renter's profile and the background check goes to the compatibility quiz and, and sort of ends with these folks living together under, under the guidance of this community plan. And what I want to make sure is clear is, you know, it, this is not just uh, saving saving on rent at the expense of having to live with other people, but but rather can really um, the 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 experience of living with other people can be a huge benefit. Yeah. Uh, th this is this is key to the to the whole concept. Yeah. So it's really, why well, I say it, that, that's such a, a good point because it's it's the. And Kyle, you know, you've seen this a lot with our printer, but it's it's the ability to feel safe, the ability to have somebody to count on, the ability to not feel alone. There are the practical aspects of it, but then there's also the I can go travel. You know, I can I can I don't have to manage everything in the house. I've kind of got the freedom to to live my life the way I want without without all that bother. Yeah, and yeah. we also talk. You know, the, the our. Our properties are uh, lowercase a affordable, right? This is not like capital A affordable, um, but but what we see is an opportunity to provide affordability uh, with high quality. Yeah. Uh, we are not at all sacrificing on on quality or on spaciousness or anything else to facilitate affordability um, through this sharing model. I love it. Now, uh, let's see. We've got a few questions. Let's make sure that we jump on these. Um, someone says, my grandmother lived in a rented house that had been converted into four apartments, each with its own kitchen, bath, and living room. The renters were connected but had their own space. Do any of the perch houses follow this model? That that sounds to me like a dream perch house, correct? It is, and, and, and uh, we'd love that house if it's out there. <laughs> Well, her uh, her grandmother was a renter too, you know. So it's uh, um, it, it it does get you know. This gets back to what we were saying before. You know, houses are designed for different reasons, and if there were hundreds of houses like the one that was just mentioned, you know, we would all be better off, frankly. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're in the the you know the reality is if you look in Fairfax County, Arlington County, Loudoun County, this area that we're in right now. And you literally look at all the houses, very few are like that. So how do we get them to a place where they're more like that, where you've got the ability to come and go, your independent space, a nice shared space, so instead of a tiny kitchen or one bedroom, you have a beautiful kitchen and a house and a beautiful living room and maybe a library and a basement and a garage and yeah. all the things that, that you get in a house. Um, but it's th those houses are, are gold mines and they're few and far between. Well, and somebody also in the in the comments mentioned uh, something around preventing isolation. And yep. and one of the things that we've heard from from people living in uh, situations like uh, that woman's grandmother are, you know, sometimes that works out really well, and people all know each other and they build relationships. 
And other times you have people living in large apartment complexes that don't know any of their neighbors, right? Everybody has uh, a one bedroom, their own sort of private private space, but really has no community despite living in, in close proximity to other people. Um, so one thing that we do value about the houses that we uh, are looking for uh, is that ability to create community and to allow for relationships to develop in a shared space. Yeah, and and I think one important thing that you all have illustrated is that the it's not forcing community on these folks. They will it will develop because of proximity. But um, you know, the, with that, what did you call the plan of the community plan? plan? The community plan. The those people that were living there will will figure it out. Um, okay, let's see. How many perch houses do you currently have in operation? We have one house now and we have two more coming online this fall. And then we will probably have between five and 10 by June. Excellent. Um, and uh, let's see, the person, that house that I was talking about, it was in Front Royal uh, uh, for, a, for apartment, uh, a multi-family uh, there. Um, Cheryl asks, do you offer referral sources for people to navigate their relationships ongoing after you've created the community plan with them? This is a great issue. This is, uh, we, we call it conflict resolution. And um, so imagine you're living in a house with three other people and six months from now, you start to have a personal issue with somebody or there's you know all the things that can happen with human beings. Um, we do, we do. We, it is something we've thought a lot about and it, getting back to Kyle's point of it being your house, we have that as a as an outreach service. So if you need something or if you feel you need to connect with us separate from your group, you can contact us and we can step in. Um, we have actually services to help us do that. And, uh, you know, what I like about this is, is that we talked about the different ways that somebody could move into home sharing. And when you think about, let's say that I'm a homeowner and I open my house up to a few renters, now you're kind of on your own, you know, you don't right. have the back office. And that's, that's one of the things that I like about what y'all are offering is, is that you've got a vested interest in making sure that this house is taken care of, it's safe, it's clean, the neighbors are all happy with the situation there, and, uh, and, and helping your, your um, residents uh, resolve conflicts is one of those things. Yeah. I, I want to I see Margie's comment here about six thousand uh, dollars per month uh, for her mother. And that is a, a common type of, of number we hear. And so we I don't think we've mentioned. So our rents per person are about, give or take, about twelve hundred to about seventeen hundred a month. It depends on the house. It depends on a variety of things. But in, in, in the D.C. metro market, D.C. metro market. Yeah. Right. On top of that, we have what's called a community fee, which is about two hundred dollars a month. And everybody pays that. So what is that? It's your utilities amortized over the house by four people, plus landscaping, uh, maid service, TV, Wi-Fi, renter's insurance, a security service. So all those things would actually cost more if you were in a one bedroom, you were trying to do them all yourself. And what we do is split those costs. Sometimes it's about 200 bucks, can be a little bit less. And we also make that a little opt in for the people. So for example, some people don't want to pay for uh, 
live TV. They just want to stream Netflix. Great, no problem. So by offering a menu of services in this community fee, we, we lower all the ancillary costs by spreading them out. But our monthly rents are between 1200 and about 1700 Which, so, you know, because I've got a uh, member of my family that was just going out and renting one-bedroom apartments in Northern Virginia, that's definitely below the market rate. Uh, and uh, so that's that's attractive. Now, with Margie's scenario, it's six thousand dollars a month for assisted living um and this one thing that uh, you, you guys are always reiterating is this is not assisted living this is for folks that can live independently uh correct yeah absolutely yeah, so, yeah. go ahead Tom. yeah i was just i was just going to say we we are we are not in sort of competition with assisted living communities or or even independent living um, you know, we're not regulated that way. We're not licensed that way. And we're not looking to, we, we don't provide that level of care, right? Mm -hmm. That's a very, that's a very specialized business. And that's not what we're, uh, what we're competing with, frankly. Uh, but what we are competing with is, is sort of the life that you live prior to that, right? And, and so, you know, um, what, what we want is to help folks live a very engaged and active and healthy life. Uh, that prevents or delays the need for a, an increased level of care. Yep. All right, man, we got tons of questions. These are great too, but we'll, we're going to get to all these folks and and uh, and this is recorded. So if, for whatever reason, you need to jump off. Also on the recording, I'll have Kyle and, and Wing's contact info and all the links that we're referring to. But um, how do you handle parking since many of the residents uh, will will drive? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it comes down to the the houses that we that we are managing, right? So uh, you know, often in suburban communities or walkable communities, and so there's either plenty of parking or or less need to uh, to have plenty of parking. But it is it is a it is something worth you know paying attention to while, while we're choosing houses. Well, the thing that I'm excited about is see, to see the evolution of this over time and just sure. imagining, you know, five years from now and and where you could see potentially, and again, I know I'm, I'm looking in a crystal ball and just dreaming here, but where maybe three folks moved into a home and they really got along and there are healthcare problems that start occurring and where it's not transitioning it to assisted living, but certainly it's, you know, su more supportive services could be brought in so that th those people could be cared for. The other thing on the same note that you start thinking about is three people that are living together, three or four people living together, and maybe one or two don't like driving or don't want to drive anymore. And then the other residents are really willing and able to drive where there can be shared resources there as well. It, it's funny, people who come to look at our house for open houses. So as some of you know, we have open houses and like every open house, people come to the open house. It is amazing how many people come as groups. Mm -hmm. One person driving, two or three people in the car. It's it's a it's very, a noticeable difference. Um, yep. Um, okay. Now, Geographically, Margie was asking, are there perch houses in Massachusetts? And I think somebody, I saw somebody talking about New York. Right now, 
primarily Northern Virginia and the DC metro market, but potentially you can see where this is a model that could be replicated and um, and come to communities all over the country. And what I'd recommend though is, Margie, if you're interested in this concept in Massachusetts, email Wing and Kyle, get on their list because they're sort of pioneering this and learning how this is um, can be implemented and might be able to help in, in your community when the time is right. Um, yeah, well, well, I'll add something to that real quick too, just to say, you know, Northern Virginia was very attractive to us for a number of reasons, including uh, from a regulatory perspective, this, this, you know, they are in Fairfax and Arlington are, are very forward looking and progressive in terms of uh, helping this forgotten middle group. And so they're encouraging these types of co-living models and house sharing models. In some places around the country, what we're doing would not be, essentially would just not be allowed. Um, oh, where so, they're banning, like there's some neighborhoods that will not allow Airbnb and things of that nature where- Sure, um, and depending on how those regulations get written, sometimes they, they're essentially a broad enough brush to prohibit our co-living model. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to, oh, I just say just the specifically. So the, the issue with Airbnb for everyone's background is what they call short term rentals. Right. So what happens in a market is a short is when Airbnb takes over a market, the rents go up. So you if you have a property, you make more money doing short term rentals than month to month rentals. And that's why you see places like New York and others starting to uh, pass legislation to keep Airbnb out of the market because what's happening is our target is being priced out of the market and can't find rentals. This is happening in Austin, Texas, and New York, and other places. Um, and the thing that really drives these markets is the zoning laws. And so there are antiquated zoning laws that have a number of unrelated people able to live in a house, and they go way back. Uh, and to Kyle's point, Virginia is, is much more progressive. But we're very interested in other markets, you know, where we do, it, this is a tricky thing because for a business, obviously you want to expand. But the whole reason we're doing this call with everybody and the reason we have enjoyed getting to know this community is that this is all about community, right? This isn't just a startup business that sells widgets. And what we're really intrigued by is over the next couple of years is building this out in Northern Virginia to really understand all the dynamics that make this work. And so to go to another market for a business like ours is more considered than it might be for others because there's so many ancillary services and people and community groups and government uh, support systems um, that make this work. And so, and it's, and it's all about where people live. I mean, it's, it's, an incredibly important decision and it's worth us taking time to get it right. Yeah. Um, somebody asked about the real estate. And it's a, this is an excellent question, Janet, about what happens if we don't own the real estate and somebody says they want to sell the property. Uh, that is the flip side of not owning the real estate. But what we, the way we get around that is by being very transparent with our landlords. And so we look for longer term leases or longer term property management relationships. And when I say longer term, I'm talking three to five plus years. Um, and that's really important to us because we want our partners on the landlord side to be into this with us for a long-term relationship. We're not looking to flip houses. We're not looking to rent for your, we have a whole different concept of what living 
in place is about and that's what this is mm-hmm. and so we've gotten a lot of inquiries from people who are like you know i want to come for six months or a year but we've also heard from a lot of people i want to spend three to five years i don't want to move again you know right. and, and then you all are being transparent to your residents in letting them know hey this home here we've got a five to six year agreement uh, you know that that if there is a change that gives those folks time and more than likely if they enjoy that you're going to be able to help transition them to another perch house you, you know yeah um, yeah and I, I as we grow and as we you know i would just say to give you an example um the situation around the rent for our first house will be very different from the second and third house because we're in the marketplace we have a reputation and now landlords are willing to take a different view of working with us over time like any startup business you have to build your reputation um but i think our our value proposition to uh property owners is long-term income and um Catherine asks, what is the formula for charging the rent? How did you, how do you come up with that? Yep. So uh, if you uh, look, the, the formula for charging the rent is what makes sense from a value standpoint, the way Kyle was describing it earlier, of a bedroom, a bathroom, access to the common space. And when you add four people's rent up, can it be slightly more than the average rent they would get for the whole house? And so it's not to double it or anything crazy like that, but to stay in business, we have to charge our renters in the aggregate slightly more than the rent of the house. But what that does is let someone live in a house for 1200 to 1500 bucks. And that's the, the unique thing about our model. The other part of that formula is just the local context of that market, right? So we've aimed for essentially price rental prices in the neighborhood of 25% less than a, than a, a one yeah. bedroom apartment in that, in that neighborhood. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. And to answer, uh, sorry, Wendell's question. No, the homeowner is not required to live in the house. In fact, that's, we, we don't have that dynamic right now. These are people who come in as a group. We also think that that's part of the advantage is, you know, everybody living in a perch house is on essentially equal footing, right? There is no one person who owns the house and sort of runs it for everybody else. And it's their, it's their house and you're living in it. It's, you know, it's your, it's your house. And, and I think the other home sharing models that we talked about, you know, there's nothing the matter with opening your house where you're living to home sharing, oh, but it's great. that extra pressure of, hey, why is the ice maker not work? This, that, and the other. There's now this third party that handles that. And uh, your model is in the best interest to resolve those issues and continue this uh, this wonderful environment for the residents. Um, Sandra says, do you list nearby amenities with these home shares? Do you also list nearby neighbors as well. Um, yeah, like in the the neighborhoods that you're currently in, have you uh, reached out and connected with the, the neighbors and the various amenities there uh, for the residents? Yes, to the first part about amenities. We, we actually, one of our selling points is the location of the house. And so the location of the house includes access to trails and walking, access to community centers, access to shopping, all the things that, that you know, even your walk score. We don't do the neighbor thing. Um, and we don't, 
this gets back to kind of independent living, you know, um, if you moved into a house, your realtor wouldn't survey all the neighbors and introduce them to you. And, you know, it's, it's the same dynamic. Um, we, we kind of leave that up to people to, to integrate into the, their local community, the neighborhood themselves. Okay. Um, Ernestine, I, I, I knew this question, this question would come up multiple times, but it's good to answer it as many different ways as possible. How do you address conflict in the home? And and just, you know, kind of repeat the agreement thing a little yep. bit. Well, Kyle, you want to answer? You want well, to... so yeah, I'll take a, I'll take the first the first answer and then you add to it, Wing. But you know, everybody coming to perch houses goes through goes through essentially a, a process, right? It includes uh, building a renter's profile, going through a, a background check, completing a compatibility quiz, um, and then upon living in the house, the housemates together create a community plan that uh, sets, you know, essentially guidelines for for living in the house together and, and making sure that it's um, that it's a positive experience, that it's a net positive experience. When when conflict arises, and it always does among any people in any relationship. I mean, the first the first answer here is these are all adults who are choosing to live together, and and you know people are really good at conflict resolution themselves. Um, so that's the the first part of any sort of active conflict is is that folks can certainly handle this themselves. Um, but we're also available to uh, to help guide any any conversation or conflict resolution needs that that come up. Um, and then the, and the last thing I'll say is just sort of jumping back to the community plan and the lease. Um, there are a lot of situations, common situations, things that we get questions about, you know, like what if X person is having Y person over five nights a week and it's been going on for months and they're they're basically living together now, right? And so like things like that are dealt with uh, in the lease and in the community plan um, and have specific guidance associated with them. Yeah, this this model is not new because uh, I basically lived from age, you know, 18 to I think like 27 in a self-managed environment like this. Yeah. And the irony is I couldn't afford to get a place on my own and I wanted companionship too. But uh, as a young adult, uh, we figured out how to manage all the things that we're probably dreaming about that could happen in yeah. your homes. And we figured out a way to make it work. And a lot of times when you make it work, it brings you together closer. And some of those folks that I lived with are some of my best friends that I've, that I've ever had. Um, let's see, what is the management fee for you to manage? Usually a percent of rent is, is, used for like a, a landlord management fee there's two models uh one is we can lease the house literally rent the house and then we can sublet the rooms the other model is the model you're speaking of steve which is the property management model and so uh we take 10 percent of the monthly rent in the property management model and we take 10 percent of the monthly rent because we generate more rent and so if you're a landlord, the value proposition for us is, and I see some of the other questions, longer term leases, two plus year leases for residents, which is much more stable for the landlord, but also it's just more aggregate rent over time. I love it. 
um, Susan Walk, uh, Susan, boy, Susan, if this is the Susan Walker that I haven't talked to in many years, I'm glad to hear you here. Uh, uh, after a while, when somebody needs assisted level of care, but doesn't want to move, uh, do you have a policy or a way for them to move along? Or can somebody bring in home care and uh, therapy into to the home? And, you know, again, I'm going to, on this, before you answer this question, I'm going to go back to when I lived in with a bunch of guys in, in a home, uh, we were regularly getting banged up, you know, uh, playing sports and things of that nature. And this actually happened to one of my roommates where he needed uh, rehab and everything in the home. So it's not, we don't want to sort of stereotype that just because these are homes for people, women 55 plus, that inevitably home care might play a role. It can happen to any of us at any age. Yeah, so, you know, a, a couple of things. One one is that this is uh, a bridge that we sort of see and are planning for, uh, but one that we haven't yet literally crossed, right, um, in our experience. But so a couple of things come into play. Uh, one is because this is a house sharing, um, you know, a house sharing model, there are just realities to deal with around everybody that's living in that house and whether or not uh, essentially like having a live-in caregiver would be would sort of fit in this in this model of living um, and would it be under that sort of umbrella of reasonable accommodation um, and so you know this is this is a very serious question and one that that we've dealt seriously with with our our, our own legal counsel um, but it, it will in reality have a lot to do with the relationships of the folks living in that house and what they all want together um, and and also the the reality of that house and whether or not having 24 7 caregiving if that's the situation and the need is is feasible in that environment um, and so you know this is a, a conversation that we're uh, that we're preparing to have when when it comes up and when it's needed uh, to make sure not just can somebody do this but really is it is it the best thing for them um, okay, folks, uh, it's five minutes to the top of the hour. I know some of you will want to jump off because you've budgeted an hour. Uh, Kyle and uh, Wing, can we keep on going? Because I'd love to get through this pile of questions and just remind everybody this is recorded. So you can jump back in and uh, just go to proaging.com later this afternoon. But these are great questions you all are asking. And I love it because I, I really see where this is. The future of living for us, you know, um, uh, another an, another choice for us that could potentially make lives better for all of us, regardless of our income and ability, but especially for that forgotten middle and folks that may not be able to sort of live um, on the um, the the market rate that's that's in their location. Uh, Janet asks, what about furnishing, especially the common areas? Since you don't own the real estate, what happens to the residents if the owner wishes to sell the property? Do you really uh, have a long-term lease with the owner? Um, well, I think we've addressed the the second two parts of that, but I am curious about the furnishings yeah. and, uh, and and that question. Before we do that, can I, Steve? You mentioned something about the the market rates in any in any neighborhood and whether or not they're affordable. And one of the really interesting things that we've heard heard from uh, interested customers is about 
uh, is essentially their context, right? This is not this is not only attractive to people who are sort of actively getting priced out of their neighborhood, but what we've we've heard also from folks who are living in uh, active adult rental communities, these like 55 plus apartment communities, what have you, where uh, the rents are actually above market rate. So we've you know we've heard from folks that are living in you know one bedroom apartments for 2,800 a month, and it's not an affordability issue for them, but Rather, like they they look at this and they can see an opportunity to have the same quality of life and the same community and the same activities, um, with, and they just don't need to pay as much. And it's, yeah, it's and it's about the thing I love about this is it's another choice on the menu, right. and uh, we need more choices, folks. Exactly. Um, so uh, back to the furnishings. Furnishing is a, is a, a important thing. So we have set aside in our business model a certain amount of money for each house meaning improvements on the house and that improvement can be anything from building steps building uh, a bathroom it can also be furnishing the house and so the model we're using right now is we furnish the common areas uh, with furniture and we then leave the bedrooms up to the renter to uh to bring their own information stuff and then we have all storage options as well if people have other uh, things they need to store all of that is a little bit flexible. If we had people who wanted to move into a house and they said, we've got all the furniture, we wouldn't do it. We would do the repairs that are necessary for that group. But, you know, right now with the model is, well, we were happy to furnish the common areas. We put plates in the kitchen. We do things like that. We put cleaning supplies in, um, but we also leave it up to the renter. And I think as we learn over time, the right model will evolve. Yeah, yeah, but I think for initially for your current uh, homes that you have that are coming onto the marketplace, I like that idea that the common areas are furnished, and it may mean that if people have some furniture that's valuable to them, they may uh, seek out storage, and that may be one of the partnerships that you all develop in yeah. the neighborhoods where you're uh, where you're located. Um, let's see. Um, uh, we talked about expanding this, but somebody asked, are you considering sharing your model or sharing your management model for a fee? Not sure if franchise is the right term. Um, I think you've said a few times, get this dialed in in Northern Virginia, and then, you, you know, who knows where it could go from there. Yeah, there's no question. There are lots of paths a business like this can go down. Um And one of them, it, it's interesting too, there's a comment about, have you thought about married couples? And I think all of these are are totally realistic options. Um, we had to start with with kind of one focus, but if we had two married couples who said we'd like to share a big house, um, the idea is to have an affordable place to live with great community and services. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ways to 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 make that work, and so I think we see our model as a template that we can grow in many different directions. And and the size of the real estate that you acquire could warrant something like that. I yeah. bumped into a, a neighbor who actually had uh, both sets of um, grandparents living in right. very large uh, in a very large house, and they never saw each other. It was that big of a house, you know? Yeah. So, um, mm -hmm. uh, okay, let's see. Um, uh, you talked a little bit about this, but Laura was wondering, have you encountered any zoning issues or have you had to apply for special zoning? No. And to Kyle's earlier point, we um, 
so one of the things you get asked about if you're Kyle and I from investors is how do you enter a new market? Because investors, of course, are very curious how you're going to expand. And entering a new market to us really comes down to what Kyle was talking about, the zoning laws and the ability of that county. It's a very county by county business, uh, the county to be receptive to what we're doing. And uh, there are plenty of counties out there right now in the right places in America where this model will work. There are others that are more challenging, for example, Maryland, right across the river. And so the difference between the Maryland zoning laws and the v, the Virginia zoning laws is, is a lot. And um, that's why we're in Virginia, to be honest, because it's easier to start. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't mean you can't go to Virginia, uh, sorry, to Maryland and, you know, lobby and and get um, uh, uh, the ability to, to, to launch there after you get some... Uh, the you know um people to agree waivers pardon me long week uh but once you get waivers uh that process takes a while so th this is a model i think that will catch on you know as the economic realities start to become more clear as the population starts to grow um and as people get priced out of the market more and more this is logical way for it to go and it really makes the zoning laws that were created for i hate to say it steve young people like you living together in group houses um uh like we all did um it makes those just archaic mm -hmm. um okay patricia says do you work with specific real estate agencies to find the houses or do you search out the properties yourself <laughs> we get we get a lot of zillow alerts i'll, I'll yeah. say that um, yeah, we, but, we would like to work with realtors. Um, yeah. uh, we would like to to be much more plugged into the realtor community, but right now we're being pretty scrappy. Okay, I love it. Um, and somebody mentioned that Airbnb definitely increased increased prices in Naples, Florida, um, and uh, they said that there's a huge need down there for you, something like this. Um, uh, somebody asked about the average length of a lease for residents. I guess you've got your first property. Uh, what are you know, the uh, lease lengths? You know, a typical lease length is going to be 12 months for us. And then, you know, renewals ongoing from there. Um, and on the renter, on the renter side. Yeah. Right, right, right. And we've, and we've heard from folks, I think Wing mentioned earlier, you know, they, they want to live, uh, three to five years in the same place. They don't want to. They don't want to keep moving around. So we we look for this to be a place where people can uh, can live together and, and build those relationships and do not have a lot of you know churn and and transitions. And uh, Shonda is uh, recommending those these senior real estate specialists and the the realtors that specialize in realtors. Those could with older adults could be a double whammy in terms oh, yeah. of helping you find properties, but also giving their clients an alternative to the traditional options if that's not something that's attracted to them. Shauna also is asking, uh, how do you provide storage for everyone? And I guess that's going to be specific on the home. Like if there's a home that has a big unfinished basement, you know, it's got a built-in storage unit. This is a key thing, uh, and I, I will. I'm going to be really honest. It's there's two parts of this, and they're both very important. And one is the emotional part, downsizing. 
the concept of downsizing and the stigma with downsizing, which is something we really spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, and it's frankly a big issue for how we all think about this phase of our life and and how we look at at something like this, right? And, you know, it's no surprise that it's possible to think of moving into a house shared with other people as less attractive option than living in a nice house. But to Kyle's earlier point, it can actually be fantastic because you have a different kind of experience, but our culture isn't set up that way. So the downsizing or the emotional aspects of downsizing are one piece of the storage question, believe it or not. Um, the other piece of the storage question is practical, to your point. And so there's space in house in houses for storage, but there's also space outside the house. And one of the things that we do is help you find space outside the house if you need to store things. And there are a lot of ways to do that. Part of, we haven't really talked about this, but when we have someone move into our house, we have a bit of a, a transition bonus so we can give them a certain amount of money to help with storage, with moving expenses, with things like that. It's kind of a, an incentive to help them move. And the storage is part of that. I love it. And I'm going to drop in a link to all of our discussions on what to do with your stuff. Uh, they've been fascinating, uh, but I'll get that uh, in there. Um, Tom asks, what is the pet policy? Oh, this is a big one. Um, well, I'll give you the simple answer, and then there's the more complicated reality answer, which is, uh, you know, the simple answer is if you have an emotional support animal or a service animal, those are not covered under the pet policy by law for, for dwellings. Um, the more emotional answer is a lot of people love pets, and especially people our age, and what we want to get to is a place where we have complete control over our environment so that we can allow pets or we can have a pet free house. It really depends on the people in the house. Um, right now, what we do is work that out in advance with our landlord so that we have that flexibility. But I think going forward, having the pet option is really important over and above service animals and emotional support animals. Okay, great. And um, yeah, my mom, who is a landlord, discovered that things have changed a lot with yeah. the emotional support mm -hmm. animals that in her ad, she can no longer advertise no right. pets. And the yeah. language that she uses when she talks to somebody is a lot different than when she was renting her house 10 years ago. Um, yeah. Let's see, somebody asked, and we've addressed this in a couple of different ways, but I like bringing these things up as many times as possible is the scenario, if somebody needs to break a lease, what what happens under your contractual um, agreements? Yeah, um, go ahead. You... Thanks. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I, I mean, the the truth is that this is another one of those questions that is just so case by case basis, right? Like somebody could need to break a lease for 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 reasons of of changing of, of health status or or the like, and that's going to be very different than you know. I just decided that I'm going to move to another to another state and I still have nine months left on my lease. So, yes, of course, like th these are things that are dealt with in our in our literal lease itself. Um, but we're also human about this and, and are looking to, um, to to help people live their their best lives. Um, and so I think it's just important to recognize like uh, breaking a lease is a, a 
there, there are a lot of situations in which that may occur and not all of them are going to have the same sort of results. Great, great. Okay, now I'm glancing through, man, this was a robust, uh, I, folks, all those questions were coming from Q&A and now I'm looking at chat and uh, there are so many great questions. Uh, I know that uh, Wing and Kyle have been uh, addressing some of these uh, in, in the discussion. The, um, gosh, yeah, Joy, her question about what in the contract stipulates when a resident suddenly suddenly gets sick. You know, we would have never thought of that question unless we had gone through the pandemic, but have you addressed, or would that be amongst the residents a talking point as to if you get the flu or COVID, here's how we're gonna communicate with each other? What we're, we're dealing with this right now, as many people are, because they're, sadly, COVID's having a bit of a resurgence. Um, I think that one, there's a couple of ways to think about this. One is, and, and, and you know, I'll be honest, we don't, I'm not going to say to everybody, we have this completely figured out. But there are two ways you can address something like this. And oddly, it's not unlike the way the pandemic transpired. One is the company whether it's the government or in this case, perch, setting rules. Uh, and the other one is to leave it up to the individual people. And uh, I think we're kind of in the middle of trying to offer some structure, but also leaving it up to the individual renters how they want to manage the house. Um, and this, this is a great topic to be covered in the community plan. And also, I, I got to tell you, I think this is a great topic to talk about in another one of your episodes, because I think that health issues living together in community, what are the, you know, where do we want the rules to come from, right? And that that's a, a, a big issue. But I think in our case, and, you know, like everything in life, it's not black and white. The example you raised was the flu. The flu is serious, to be sure, especially for this age group. But what if someone gets some other disease or what if someone gets really badly injured and they can't like there are all these degrees of, of impact, quote unquote, on the health. And I think, you know, Kyle said it well earlier, it's really a case by case basis. And part of what we feel comfortable about is that as individual caregivers in our lives and as people and as part of our service in this business is to help our customers, right? So if one of them gets sick, part of what our job is, is to help you figure out the right plan. And that's our, that is actually our job description. So, so, you know, we never know what life's going to bring, but I think half the battle is having people in place to help you navigate that situation. And that's what we do. And so I think that's where we feel and given the fact that we come from the healthcare industry, we've got some ability to, to manage that on a case-by-case -case basis. Leslie, Leslie just dropped in the chat, the more case-by-case -case decisions you take, the better you're doing as human beings. And, and that, I, that's very kind of you. I thank you for that. I was actually going to raise the flip side of that, which is to say that, uh, you know, by one of the things that we do by policy that is health-related as that all of our all of our properties are no smoking properties, right? So there there are times where a policy can be instated 
uh, and sort of clean across the board. But yes, I, I, we do agree that most of these will be handled on a case by case basis. Yeah. Okay, I like this one. I, I, I'm I'm scanning through the chats, and we've addressed most of the topics in one way or another. But Elizabeth says, "How did you come up with the name Perch Houses? What's the significance of Perch?" You want me to answer that? Yeah, go for it. Um, we uh, had a name for our company that really wasn't very creative. And I, I'm not going to tell you what it was, but it was just boring. And so a person that was working with us, who is part of the wonderful woman uh, who helped us launch our company, just decided to name it Perch Houses one day. And we we said, okay. <laughs> Uh, and perches, the perch of your house, perching on your doorstep, perching uh, in a happy place, your place where you can perch for your life and feel good. And I, I think that's a, a, we love the name perch, but what we really love is the other thing she came up with, which is the open door. And if you look at our logo, there's an open door and that's really a metaphor for, for how we feel is that we want to have an open door for people to give them a new alternative and um, all credit to our friend Ann Lee, who came up with that, uh, that uh, idea. Well, uh, Beth has a nice comment here. She thought it was because his name is Wing and he thought about, uh, about perching, but uh, out of curiosity, is Wing your given name? It's my nickname. Kyle just reminded me, by the way. No, 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 no. <laughs> And I, sorry, you're done. Kyle, Kyle just reminded me that actually he came up with the open door. So, <laughs> so I give all credit to Kyle with most, most things. Um, so Kyle and Ann, I had actually nothing to do with it, which is the key takeaway from this point. Um, my name wing is just a nickname. It was, my parents, uh, were, uh, creative. And so it's just a nickname. I love it. Um, okay. Uh, you know, I, by looking at this, I think we got through everything. I love it. Um, and you know that I can always tell when we've got an engaged uh, hot topic is because we go over an hour and did an hour and 16 on this. And so one of the things that I'd love to do with y'all is do some brainstorming on how maybe we can carry this conversation. You know, I could see like a community developing where yeah. the topic is, just home sharing in general, where, hey, yes, perch houses is an alternative, but there's so many good questions in here in terms of how to share share a home and live with other people and and uh, find communities and things of that nature. I, I think that this is definitely could warrant further discussions. And and but also, uh, I'm really eager to do some check ins with y'all as you know more homes develop and and learning Absolutely. about the, the the best practices and the challenges that you all are faced in in building this yep absolutely and we we look forward to that and i i think one you know one place to also sort of continue this discussion we we are somewhat active on uh on instagram under perch houses and so i definitely encourage you to come um you know see find our page follow us there and facebook and, yeah, and and just communicate with us there. Yeah, um, and I will make sure all those links are on the recordings uh, as well. One last thing, uh, and I don't know if anyone's still on, but if they are, um, we are very intrigued by potential partnerships and services, building off what you just said, Steve, that we can offer our renters. 
And so we'd love to talk to uh, anybody um, who has a service aimed at this community that we potentially could partner with. I love it. Uh, all right, guys. Um, so in closing, uh, thanks so much, Perch. My wheels are spinning thinking of the clients who might want to consider this concept. One is a mo mobility handicap, but I think I could work with her too. So uh, we're I'm always excited when our conversations inspire people to get the wheels turning. I mean, that's really what I'm trying to do here, folks. So uh, thanks, uh, Wing and Kyle. And thanks to those of you left in the audience uh, for all these great questions. I'll get this up ASAP and uh, spread the news because I really think that this could be a, a great solution for a lot of people. Thanks, everybody. You bet. Steve, thanks again. Thanks for hosting us. We really appreciate yeah. it. You bet.